you know, in life, the lot of things suck. And just like keep going back to your your good mentality. Those things that that suck, at least sucked in my life, are what made me what I am today. Be it good or bad, those were what those moments are what drove me to want to be more competitive and want to be tougher and want to get through it and want to push through. Because without those moments, then I would just be that kid, you know, getting bullied back in, in, in middle school. What you just heard was a quick preview of the interview we're about to have with Mike Morano. I just felt like what he said was so awesome that I had to put it right in the beginning of this podcast. So uh, that's it. Enjoy. It's starting right now. All right. We are live on episode number 23 with Mike, with the, I should say, the Mike Morano. Mike, welcome to the show. What's up, Coach? Great to be here, man. I'm glad you're here. So I want to kick this off and and jump right to it. So right now, you are the number one guy all time in bench press at advanced training with a 435-pound bench press. You are also number three all time in PowerPoints with a 1.251 PowerPoint ranking. But I feel like, in my opinion, you're not the guy that guys are saying when they want as a tag team partner for the challenge. I feel like your name's not coming up in these conversations, and you're not getting the respect that you deserve. In fact, I don't think you ever got the respect you deserve. What are your thoughts on this? Hey, man. Um, you know, when you first send out these, uh, these questions about a week ago, I've been trying to wrap my head and think about that first question especially. You know, why is it that, you know, in certain people's opinions, especially in my own opinion, is uh, why don't I ever receive the acknowledgement that I think is due toward me? And, you know, I, I, initially you have um, a bunch of these insecure thoughts running through your head, like, you know, maybe I'm not athletic enough, this and that. But then obviously the, uh, the foundation framework of me and myself kicked in. And it's just like, hey, Mike, this is, this is your life. This is what's always been. You know? <laughs> It's, it's always been like this, and, that, and that's, you know, a reoccurring stir- story within my life is that throughout my whole life, um, I felt like I've never received that type of respect, and I've actually had to go out and earn it and probably scratch and, you know, scratch and claw my way to earning whatever accolades I have received in the past. So, and I, I'm talking about even when I was a kid, you know, telling kids, other kids telling me I couldn't play football. So that, that drive drove me as a child and that still drives me today so when you played at st joseph by the sea you were you were there and i'd say some of the the highest of the high the glory days you had guys legendary guys big name guys like teddy colhesi lyle mccombs where did you see yourself when you were on a field with those guys were you thinking these guys are 10 steps ahead of me uh i'm right with them like where'd you see yourself in, in terms of athleticism and football play with them uh you know, at, at my position, I felt like I was right there with them. I never felt uh, anybody was ever any better than the next guy. I just always looked at them as my teammates, you know, and I, I felt that we were there for, you know, a, an agenda, a, a mission, and we were all going to – in the, we're all in the pot together. We're all going to – in the trenches together, and we're all there to accomplish that, that goal. So I never really compared myself to uh, any of my teammates, I would say. But if you would ask me now, in hindsight, you know, if, do I think that I was just as good as them? I would say, hell yeah. I, I wouldn't shy away from that question at all. <laughs> and, and what's interesting, I'm looking back to an article that I had written for Advanced Training. It is a long time ago. It's pretty much on the same topic. 
But one thing that I don't think people register in their minds is that there was a while where there was no one ever in the history of advanced training that had ever had a higher PowerPoint rating than you. In fact, at the time that I wrote it, there was 120 different people that had tested. And, you know, your ranks, you had the rank of one, two, and three with your PowerPoint numbers. Right. And I'm looking at your career bests, a 520-pound back squat, a 435-pound bench press, a 455-pound deadlift, 34 pull-ups. You really didn't have any weaknesses. But now in your mind, because I know you're, you're a humble guy, if you had to pick something in the gym that you think was your weakness, what was it? Well, you know, I always say if never took away the squat, I would never uh, be thrown as PowerPoint leader. But uh, definitely, definitely at that time, probably uh, my athleticism could have been a little bit better. That broad jump, you know, could have been a little bit, a little bit more um, athletic in that aspect. But as far as lifting, I, I think I hang with the best of them. And even today, and now, now I'll go to the gym and I'll still, I'll still put up 405 with, with no problem. This is a bench press. Yes. Yeah, I heard a story this year uh, before one of our games. You just banged out three fifteen to let our young bucks know it was up. Yeah, I promised. Uh, I promised one of uh, our defensive ends, Patrick Hayes, if um, if we won a certain game, that I would show him how many I could put. Uh, no, put up cold turkey, and uh, wound up getting like seven. Not a lot, but you know, for that point, it wasn't too bad. So cold turkey means uh, no no warm up. You just loaded three plates on well, each side and I, banged I, them out. Well, uh, I played a few uh, a few reps of two fifty uh, of two twenty five, but yeah, I haven't been. I wasn't training as rigorous as I have in the past. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I was wrapped up with coaching more. All right, so I, I got to get into what I think is one of the craziest things that I've ever seen ever, not only from you, but ever in the history of advanced training. So we're real big on doing body weight movements. Uh, at a time, it was getting a little too easy for us. We decided to do chin-ups, and then we did weighted chin-ups with 100 pounds around our waist. First off, there's a video that we have. This actually wasn't the incident, but there's a video of you doing five or six reps. You got Eric Heedle staring at you in amazement. You got... <laughs> Pete Amorosi staring at you in amazement. What I love is the whole video. It just shows – this is like almost – to me, that video personifies everything about you. You start off – we usually have a bucket for short guys like me to stand on the bucket and be able to actually get to the pull-up bar. You, uh, you kick the bucket across the gym. Then you bang out your six reps, and then when you're done, you scream like you just – you know, you sacked – Eli, you sacked Tom Brady in the fourth quarter <laughs> of the Super Bowl. And it, I, I love seeing a guy get that hype about a workout. You're approaching that lift like it's a game. Now, back to my craziest thing I've ever seen. So in a different instance, you're about to do this in a mixed right. grip chin-up. And Gerald Amorosi, for whatever reason, he's on the far side of the gym. He basically tells you that you're not, you have no shot of doing it. Right. You get to your third rep, and you're in a dead hang. And you scream, you're not, you don't get off the bar. You're still hanging from the bar and you scream something that I'm not allowed to repeat on this PG station, <laughs> but you're, you're cursing at Gerald. Then you finish your other three reps. What did this guy say to you to get in your head that much to make you stop your movement and scream at him? He, he told me I couldn't do it. <laughs> and is that enough? Does that lead back to the, you always feel like you're, you're fighting uphill with this thing? Yeah, man. It says you go right back to the first question. It's always, it's always my, from from like I said, even from the younger days, when people have told me I can't do something, it's it's I have to prove them wrong. I can't allow myself to be dictated by the realities of other people who who you know don't see 
don't see the vision like like I see. Like I'm not, not saying I love Gerald Amorosi. Not saying anything bad about Gerald. What I'm saying is that I can't allow to I can't allow myself to live in other people's realities. And that's something that I've learned throughout my my years of playing and throughout my years of life is that there's always going to be doubters and there's always going to be people that want to nag and and chip at your armor and you have to use that as fuel. Now, were you born like that? Did you develop that mentality? Where did it come from? Honestly, coach, I mean, you know, as as a kid, I I probably got a little like uh, picked on more than regular regular kids, and um, you know, I for so long I just I just took it and took it, and then, you know, one day one day in the weight room at sea, it just it just all meshed together, and it's just one of those things that like you know why am I listening to these kids? These kids aren't here working out with me. These kids aren't here sweating and and putting this work in. So I'm gonna use that. And I'm going to get mad at them because they can't hang with me in general. So I'm going to use their their hate towards me to propel myself and put myself in a position to win. So talk to me about your, your high school career. You're a, a freshman at St. Joseph by the Sea. First of all, did you play football before you got to St. Joseph by the Sea? No. So what made you say, I want to be a football player? Probably the kids that are in middle school telling me I couldn't do it, to be honest. <laughs> Now, were any of these kids at sea with you as football players? Um, yeah, but they didn't last. Really? All right, that, that's interesting. All right, so you come in at sea as a freshman. What position did you play? I came in. I honestly didn't know anything about football, Coach. I played I played six years of soccer for St. John Newman's, and uh, I hated soccer. But my parents wanted me to play, so I played until I came to high school. And then when I came into high school, I couldn't tell you – what one position besides quarterback was. So I figured, all right, looked it up real quick. I said, I'll, I'll be a linebacker. I'll probably be, you know, a second string linebacker and, and I'll be happy to be on the team. And, um, you know, we went to camp and uh, we had an offensive day with the freshman team. And I, I, sh- I guess I showed up one day and Coach P, Coach P uh, gave me a starting position after the first day of offensive line drills. And did you stay as an offensive lineman your whole career at St. Joseph by the Sea? Yes, I stayed as offensive lineman, as a freshman, um, as a sophomore. I stayed out of line, but I dabbled a little bit. I played a little bit defensive line, and then when I was a junior, I started as a guard, and then going to senior year, uh, I went into camp starting as the defense as the defensive end, and then finished camp starting as an offensive tackle. So this is the infamous trade between Coach Hench and Coach Clark. Yes. And, and who were you traded for? Uh, John Tripodi, who is a great football player and a great person. Awesome. So then tell me about you go to college. Do you go play offensive tackle or offensive guard in college? It's a, it's a funny story. So um, so I got recruited to, to play uh, offensive line, right? You know, but uh, I was going in as a – Six foot, I mean, 5'11, let's say, 205 pounds soaking wet offensive lineman. And I'm looking at myself and I was like, I can't do this. And first off, second off, I don't want to run a spread offense. I've, can't, I've come from, you know, running Coach Hench's offense where you're pulling around the corner and you're, and you're smashing heads to going to a, a college that runs a completely spread offense. And I was at a, I was at a turn, uh, I'd say a fork in the road. So, I go in my freshman year at camp, all recruited, 100%, all the coaches think I'm playing offensive line. Go in my freshman year at camp, 
And we're having meetings, and, they, and finally her coach breaks us off. She goes, okay, offense stay down here. Defense goes upstairs. So at that moment, I'm like, no, I'm not playing offensive line. I picked up my, my bags, and I went upstairs to the defense. As I'm walking up the steps, uh, the defensive line coach stops me and gives me a look. He goes, Morano, aren't you uh, an offensive lineman? And I go, no, nah, coach, I play defensive line. And he gives me a like, look out the side of his eye, like all puzzling questions, a question that says, okay. And I shit you not, I go to that, I go to that practice and uh, I go to that first practice with helmets. And at the end of the practice, they asked all the coaches who was a standout player for, for each position. And my defensive line coach, Ethan Jarrells, who I hold in a very high regard, came out and said Mike Morano was the best player out here today. And, I, and you, you've coached a little bit of football in your life. You got to love it when a guy just makes a decision like that and is like definitively saying, I- I'm going to make this happen. Right? So I'm, I'm sure that defensive line coach, as much as he didn't want to say it outwardly, he probably loved it. You were like, nope, I'm playing D-line. <laughs> I mean, I can only hope. I mean, uh, you know, in hindsight, I, I hope for both of us it was a great decision and he looks back on it and is happy with it. But at the time, I think he was a little confused. So talk to me about how you made a decision to go to Willie P or William Patterson. Honestly, honestly, just, uh, you know, when I came, when I came out of high school, I really wasn't recruited as far as, as I thought my potential could be. I, like I said, I was a 200 pound offensive lineman in a, in a system that was, wasn't run by a majority of colleges. So I had a choice between Springfield and Massachusetts and William Patterson. I went to Springfield, didn't really like it too much. It was okay. I had good majors, it had, and they wanted me to play off his line because they ran the triple option, or they ran some type of run-first heavy uh, um, offense, which they, uh, you know, they could use me in. But Grandy, Grandy, one day came back, and uh, well, what, for those who don't know who's, who James Grandy is, James Grandy was a player at St. Joseph by the Sea who's a year older than me, who went to William Patterson. He came, he came back to St. Joseph by the Sea. And he started talking about how great William Patterson is, this and that. And, you know, he, he, he pretty much set the guidelines of what to expect in a college facility because I didn't know what to expect in a college facility. So I figured, you know what, why don't we make this work and why don't we go there and pl- we'll play with, uh, you know, play, play together on the defensive line. And also I had two other guys from my year, Pete Baraji and, and Steve Favali, come with me as a recruiting class to William Patterson. So we had about four St. Joseph by Sea guys there. So it felt like a, you know, a nice little click, click, click we were going to have. And you're saying you weighed 200 pounds as a senior. Yes. And I'm just, I'm looking at your numbers. When you first started, when you walked into the gym and you were working on your, your numbers with me, a lot of guys come in and I'd get this every year. Yeah. I bench uh, 340 in, in my gym, but it's probably gonna be a little different here. And I was like, all of these guys, they're full of it. You know, like every single guy would walk in and inflate their numbers. Right. So you came in and you're like, uh, yeah, I can bench around 420. I'm sorry, squat around 425. And I was like, there's no way this guy's doing it. Like <laughs> you, you were big, but you weren't that big. And then bang, you knock, you knock out 455 day one on squat. <laughs> you're like, I think I could bench about three plates. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then you bang out 305. And I'm thinking, wow, this kid is a a beast you were a beast now you take those numbers and, and you had only trained with me let's say because that's the longest you ever get a guy is when they're to me and i think high school kids just they just don't get it but the right. best training you ever have in your life 
is from the day that you graduate your high school football team to the day you go to college because there is no interruption. There's no right. spring ball. There's no, there's no – And I, look, I've coached football enough to know that even I would get in the way of our guys doing their lifting to get some football in. In that right. year period – sorry, in that eight-month period, you put 60 pounds on your bench. You put 60 pounds on your squat. You – more than doubled your pull-ups and you already came in like a beast, which was impressive. So you had that good base level of strength and you increased on top of that. You know, it's not that hard to make a, a weak guy relatively strong just because biomechanically they know how to do more stuff, but okay. you were already super strong and you killed it then. But then I'm looking at those numbers of when you walked in the door and then you just totally de- demolished <laughs> yourself by the time you walked out. So uh, that, that's pretty sick. And I, I think to weigh 200 pounds and lift what you did, in, insane. What did you weigh when you graduated college? Um, my senior year – well, b- by the way, I got to say that's, a, that's an accolade to you as well, Coach. You, know, you trained me that whole, that whole duration and throughout all my breaks in college. So that, that's a kudos to you as well. But, team effort, brother. I, I just lay out the program, and, and you're getting it done. But um, my senior year, I thought I was, I was a little too heavy. I was like two, 240. Uh, it was a little too big than I, sh- I should have been, but I, I walked out the door at 240. So well, then this is going to lead to my next question. So I, I remember you being about 240, and then uh, a couple of years ago, people were saying, hey, you got to see these pictures of Morano. This kid's ripped. He's yeah. ripped. And then I look at these pictures, and I see veins popping out of your arms. I, I only could imagine what type of six-pack you had going on. What did you do to make that transformation happen? I, I just put it in my head. I said, I'm not, you know, I was done playing football. You know, I, I tried, I tried to uh, continue my career after college. I had a little bit of success. You know, it didn't really pan out the way I wanted to. So I went back, went to the working field. But I told myself when, I, when I'm done playing football, I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to lose all the weight because I don't need to be 240 pounds or, or two, even 220, which I was, I was comfortable with. But I wanted to just be able to, flip it and get shredded and I wanted to do it for myself and I'm sure along the line someone told me I couldn't do it so it probably, it probably got me a little jacked up even more but for that that main goal I wanted to just put put myself out there and I wanted to just do it for me and, and how did you do it was it uh mostly diet was it mostly exercise was it a combination of the two well I educated myself a little bit more on, on um, nutrition which I wish I would have done when I was playing because nutrition obviously is by far, like light years makes you makes you excel your game to another level tremendously. But I've educated myself a little bit on nutrition, figured out the right things to eat, and I would go into work. And I had a game plan. I would go into work where every single meal was planned out, right? I would plan out all my meals where I would have my carbs in the morning, protein, and and you know to a T. And then when I came home, I would allow myself to have one cheat meal at night. And I would be able to binge at night and then get all the macros from there. Real. All right. So, so talk me through this. Was your plan, your plan was macro based. So for those that don't know, that's, I got to have so many grams of protein, so many grams of carbs, so many grams of fat. And that should be the, my caloric intake for the day. It, was that your actual plan to hit a certain I, amount of macros? Honestly, no, my, my whole plan was, I, I viewed it as the 80, 20 rule. 80% of the time I'll eat healthy to, to a T and it'll strive towards my goal, and 20% of the time I'm going to eat whatever I want. But I just saved it towards night because it's okay. easier to, to plan out those meals when you have certain breaks throughout the day. 
So I asked Rob Mulligan the same question because he too was a lineman from C, offensive lineman who left, and then he also got a six pack. I'm starting to notice a trend here. <laughs> what What was the hardest part? And for him, he said it was social. It was hard to go out and be around your friends because they were not doing the right thing all the time. What about for you? Honestly, at that at that point in my life, I was really just focusing on work and coaching and and uh, going to the gym. So it wasn't that taxing taxing on me but uh you know i i just i just i guess i just found the right formula that works for me to be honest and i stuck with it did you lose any gains in the gym uh very very minimally very minimally if if you had a i'm sure there's a bunch of people that are going to listen to this and say man i want a six pack six pack two i want to do it if you had to give them just one piece of advice what would you tell them to do to to get them on that journey i would say Figure out how your body works, your body mechanics, how you, your metabolism works, and set rules for yourself and follow those rules. Like, and how, do you, how do you make sure you follow those rules? Because I think that's where most guys fail is that they make a rule and they just can't stick to it. And then they try something else and they can't stick to that. There's no consistency. How did you make yourself follow your rules? Well, I mean, Coach, that's, that's a problem for a majority of the country, I think, you know, the discipline aspect. But you got to hold yourself accountable. You know, you got to tell yourself you're, you're better than – you know, not, not bad. You're you're not like other people, where you're you're doing things for a reason, and it's not the same reasons as the next person, and it's not the same goals as the next person. But you're doing it because you're not like them, and you're not like the majority of people walking around this world. I love it, and I and, and you're right. When you get that mindset, is I'm not like you. It's so easy. I shouldn't say it's so easy. It makes it easier to not fall into peer pressure. In right. fact, it actually bolsters up why you're not going to do that thing, whatever that thing is. Exactly. So I, I personally believe this about advanced training. I always felt like you guys were a walking billboard for what we do. And then as a coach, I've always felt that, you know, coaches were a walking billboard for what they're, they're preaching. So for me, I couldn't walk around advanced training and be uh, 700 pounds or be weak. I had to be able to, to fit, at least say that I worked out, you know, right. look like I work out. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think, because you're, you're pretty jacked up, do you think that your physique – does it intimidate guys you coach? Does it inspire them or, or a little bit of both? Me, I can only speak from my personal, my personal view on when I was a player and when I saw a coach jacked up and when I saw a fat coach or I saw a coach out of shape or someone trying to, trying to be pretty much preach out of one side of his mouth and do something out of the other side. I think that no matter what, if you have someone who's preaching to you to do all these, these, these bullet points and do all the work, that they have themselves have to be a, a, an example of it. You know, you, you, you won't follow a leader that's going to point to you in directions and say, hey, go, go run up that hill and, and charge the enemy. You're going to follow someone who who's, digs his boots in the ground and charges that hill with you, you know? And let me ask you this, because this is going to be one of my next questions anyway, because when you coach, you only coach at one pace, and it's like this psychotic berserker mode where – I can't imagine how you are p p getting all this energy out of your body to coach these kids. First off, do you feel like your your physique and your training are they help you out to give you that much energy? Definitely. I mean, I think definitely when you apply your your workout throughout your day and throughout, you know, you push yourself through through that those hard times and that tiring that tiring moment in your mind 
that it's going to, no matter what, give you more energy because you've been through that and you're going to push through no matter what. But I also think that through a, a biological standpoint, it has to give you more energy because of the level of, of um, I'm, I'm not sure the exact chemistry of it, but it, it, it does work. And, and for those of you that, you know, you haven't coached with Coach Morano, but the, the way he coaches, and if, if there's some coaches out there that they'll take reps off. They'll take practices off. Like, ah, I'm mailing this one in today. I, I look over at your drills. There's never one time where you are not coaching those guys up with every bit of passion and enthusiasm that you had at, at your highest level. So it's, it's never like there's a rep off or there's a time where you come tired. And I'm sure you were. And I think you were coming from Manhattan. You're taking a bus. I think you might have taken the, the ferry a couple of times. You're making this long trip. And never once did I see you come on the field and let the, your tiredness from work reflect on the way that you had practice. And I, I love that about you. And I think it's, it's contagious because now the kids pick it up. Other coaches around you pick it up. Man, I knew I never wanted to stand next to you and be a little tired because I'm like, man, this guy's going. And I asked you that time, what, what makes you do it? You said, uh, what would you say, caffeine and hate? Yeah. I mean, that was just a quick answer. But, you know, in reality, I just didn't want to let these kids down because if, if you take a rep off, then, you know, you could ruin someone's, someone's uh, one of the kids' high school football experiences by, you know, missing one rep or missing one play. You know, and it, it could it could really and guys and, and it sticks with people, you know. It really does. High school high school football sticks with young men and it drives them through their the next chapter of their life. And I never wanted to be that coach that 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 fell upon where I let those kids down and then, then the rest of their lives are just thinking, Man, you know, like I could have could have had it. Could have had it. I think the other thing too for any aspiring coaches out there, just yelling it doesn't mean anything, right? If you're just going out there screaming like a maniac or yelling at kids, you stink. You're the worst. I, this, this, this is being energetic as you are being a technician. And if you watch Coach Rhino Coach, he is a technician of what he's teaching people on the defensive line, how to stand, how to strike your hands. You know, what do you do if a guy down blocks? What do you do if there's a double team? It's not just going out there screaming like a maniac for the purpose of screaming. There's actually – a mindset behind that of i'd say craftsmanship and a technician and an ownership of that position that you had right right you gotta you gotta want it man you gotta want it you gotta be relentless and you gotta have relentless aggression at all times so as a guy who has so much pride in what you're doing it's it's unique that you were able a couple of times in your career with me uh you were able to share that position with another guy once you did it with coach blanco once you did it with coach martino how and it's not easy football we're all egomaniacs we're all very particular about what we want to do what we want to teach we usually want one voice how are you able to be so humble and share that position effectively it wasn't like a like a timeshare at the jersey shore i mean this was like an effective sharing of a position how'd you do it well i mean it's that old man of saying man check that ego at the door you know and it's it's egos egos can come in and they can destroy destroy things that you've built and things that that you that goals that you set amongst your team. If you come in with a with a bad attitude, that's contagious. You know, I don't know everything. There's something that Coach Blanco and Coach Martino probably knew more than I did. And I wanted to learn that from them. Because I don't like I said, I don't know everything. I'm not the the Thor God of, of football. Right? So if like and if I don't learn, if I don't allow myself to pick up the knowledge that they have that I don't have. That's another form of me letting those kids down. So what, 
what made you think that you wanted to be a high school football coach after you graduated from college? Well, I, I did, um, I did an undergrad for a year at uh, William Patterson because that extra semester, I did four and a half years there. And um, I was coaching there, but I came down to see one day because I honestly got into a little bit of uh, trouble up at school and I needed some uh, community service hours. So I asked coach Clark and he said, yeah, you know, it was fine. Come in, I'll come and help the kids. And, you know, I was only supposed to be there for a few hours, but I actually just stuck with it. I figured, you know what, what the hell? Let me, let me help these guys out. They, they look like they use my help. And I just stuck with it. It's a, uh... It's addictive, right? <laughs> you go down. It's kind of like you give somebody a puppy dog, and then right. they don't they don't want the dog. You say, "Take this dog home. Just take it for an hour, and then if you like it, keep it. If not, come back tomorrow. Give the dog back." I feel like that's how it was with you when you started coaching. Right, and you never give the dog back. You're, never. You're, you're gonna never. keep the dog forever. And that is why I get amazed when a, a guys don't get addicted. It's almost like it's weird when they don't. It it and it's it's a, it's a strange addiction because it is a great game. It takes so much out of you emotionally. Uh, right. Sometimes it crushes your soul, but it there is so much beauty in what you're doing, especially when you're doing it for the right reason, like helping kids. When you're trying to help kids, then it's super addictive. Right, exactly, and that's that's the most rewarding part of it is seeing these kids, you know, p- turn out in the field and become good players and and great young men and and leaders in the community. Awesome. So I want to switch this back to advanced training. If you, in your mind, what was your biggest accomplishment in advanced training? Definitely, uh, I would say that those few years where I ran ran true with the powerpoints, that was a big one. Um, probably the the biggest accomplishment I was I would assume is that is being the powerpoints leader for three years in a row. That that's pretty sick, and it, it was pretty humbling because you weren't you weren't training with with losers. You had other beasts training with you. The weirdest part is that your one of your goals in the interview that I did with you, and I think it was 2012, was that you wanted to be the first guy to break the 1.200 PowerPoints. Right. Because and for guys that don't know, it was a big deal at first for people to get 1.00, then 1.1, and there was a shirt that's assigned to every level of PowerPoints. So if you got a 1.00, you got the infamous white shirt. And then it was like, okay, what do we give people who get a 1.1? They got a red shirt with black letters. All right, what, what about the next one? You're like, well, I want to be able to get that 1.2 and make up a color shirt. Unfortunately, that same year, multiple right. people got it. Uh, right. Kuyan and I think Reyes both hit it. But it was pretty cool that you guys agreed upon making it an orange shirt reflecting it's, – it's one of the colors of Willie P, right? Yes. So Willie P is black and, and orange. Black and orange, yep. Yep, so that, that that's pretty sick that you guys agreed on it. I think uh, Eric Heedles also was in that club. And I, yeah, I don't know why. His school didn't have – it had a little bit of orange in it. No, but, it uh, was uh, blue, and, blue and red. He had the so, uh, what's it called, Maritime. Yeah, I, thought I could have sworn SUNY Maritime had like a blue, red, and orange. I guess I'm, I guess I'm wrong. But that, that was a good crew of kids that, that hit that orange. It was like three guys in the same year. Right. All right, so let's get to some more advanced training questions. Uh, and I've asked this question a bunch of times, but now you're finally getting your name in, in this hat here. You're doing a tag team challenge. You get to pick any one partner. Who is it? What now is it? Uh, is it all time? It's all time. It could be anybody. Okay. Is you, do you, uh, can I do a co-partner split? Maybe one, one of the guys have, have uh, the flute that day? Sure. So I'll probably pick either uh, Teddy Colhesi or Billy Blanco. Billy Blanco. All right. Good, good picks. Good picks. 
Uh, who would you want to compete against all time? Who would be the best competition for you guys? Listen, I'll pick the same partners. I want to compete that I want to compete with the best. I want to compete with Teddy and I want to compete with Ryan and I'll, whoever, whoever's the top of the top. I want to compete with that's flat out. So do you have two specific names of who you would want to go against? I heard you say Ryan. Do you mean Ryan Smith? Well, Reyes. Reyes oh, Ryan Reyes. All I, right. I would, I would love Reyes in his prime, though. That's, that's what I would, I would love to compete against him again. Um, Teddy Classy, obviously, I would go up against him every day because that's, you know, my brother right there. Very competitive against him. Uh, you know, and whoever, whoever else. I would compete against all those guys, man. All those guys are, are just animals and, and good at what they do. Well, there is a rumor that on Thanksgiving morning uh, we're going to have the 2009 class together, which would have you, Colhesi, Blanco, Amorosi, uh, Viraji, as one team competing against other classes. So I'm pretty interested to see this, how this thing's going to turn out. Uh, it's it's going to turn out great, man. I mean, every, like I said, ever since I've seen your question and uh, it's been on my mind, I've been training twice as hard <laughs> because, because I, I need that respect. So when you think of advanced training, what's the, the one word that pops into your head? Animals. I love it. And for you, you were already strong, right? Like you were a beast as a senior. Why were you in advanced training? What was it the answer to in your life? Structure. You definitely provided uh, a structure and uh, a foundation where I would I use it to learn and grow and was able to grow my strength according to a pattern where it's not just, you know, going to the gym and just lifting weights and just doing that. You had a, you had a, like a clear goal. You gave us a breakdown of how we're going to achieve that goal. And nine times out of 10, we surpassed that goal. So that's, that's the, the biggest takeaway I had from advanced training where, you know, doing it all willy nilly by yourself, you weren't, you weren't able to do those things. I love, man, if I can give you a hug through this phone right now, I would. Uh, and be, just because from a personal level, I took so much pride in developing that program for you guys. It was individualized. Everybody had their own sheet. Right. I'd go back and analyze what you did on your sheet. I made you write everything down that you did. And... Which, which I lost a lot of time. But, <laughs> but luckily for me, you recorded the, the workouts. And... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to – digress for a second so there was one time of uh, the great mike morano i asked him for his sheet and he said he had it uh, in his waist and it was actually a paper towel so uh, <laughs> it was not his actual sheet so i, I actually spent many o'day eyeballing guys as they were warming up knowing they didn't have this sheet but back to your point about structure <laughs> I, it always pained me because with everyone everyone that's rolled through this program it was, do they appreciate the structure that this has? Because most of the time, guys would fight with me. Oh, it's not enough weight. Uh, you're holding me back. Coach, you're holding me back. Uh, you you should have gave me more weight. Not realizing the science behind, you know, your muscles might be strong enough now, but your ligaments aren't ready for the weight that you want to pull. Right. And you need to calm down. And this is a marathon. And let's baby step this thing through. So I love that a guy like you is a beast, uh, had that idea of structure and, and appreciated what you got from it. That means the world to me. Of course, Coach. We always appreciate what you did for us. Oh, I don't know if Frank Torres appreciated. He's he's up next on no. this podcast, so I'm going <laughs> to grill him about that. Oh, that's uh, that's something I love, man. That's more, something I got to tune into. He, he always liked to add an extra 80 pounds to whatever set I was giving him. <laughs> uh, Frank, you wouldn't be Frankie, though, if you didn't. <laughs> so 
what was the worst training advice you ever got in your life? Uh, well, I can give you the worst football advice I ever got. I'll take that. I'll take that. Get bigger. To probably the worst advice that someone could, could give somebody. Where, you know, going, going into my senior year, I was already um, a starter at William Patterson as a junior. And uh, I, had a, I had a pretty good good season my junior year. I had a pretty, pretty uh, decent season. But my defense kept saying, get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. And uh, going to my senior year, it definitely cost me my speed and, and um, explosiveness. That, that, that's great. I, I'm glad you said it because you're right. It, there's a lot to getting bigger, right? Like how should I get bigger? Is, should I be getting – I mean the real answer is you should be getting muscle mass and not fat. Right. But also you have to maintain your athleticism. Right. So, so did they give you like a, a weight requirement? Like, hey, you got to be 250 or it was just well, blanket we put, get bigger? It was pretty much blanket get bigger. We, we ran a 3-3 stack. And uh, majority of the time, you know, the, the, it, we we were the, the defense coordinator wanted us to occupy blocks for the linebackers. When in reality, you know, we're making plays as a defensive line unit. You should stick with it. But you know, the whole the whole the whole thing of just getting bigger it just doesn't. The, if you have a game, stick to your game and harness your game and and work towards improving what you do good on the field and what your gem is on the field. If you're not the biggest guy, work on your explosiveness and on your technique. If you are big, you know, work, work on getting faster and getting around that corner. That's my opinion at least. And, and that's, that relates nicely to advanced training because our thing was always about developing the total athlete. Yeah. We wanted you to, to gain muscle mass, but really I wanted you to gain mobility, stability, strength, you know, uh, flexibility, power, because right. on a football field, size is obviously not everything, especially if it's sloppy size. If it's sloppy, then it's it's actually a waste. Right. You know, and I, we should have uh, should have realized it too. You know, we always used to lick my chops going up against those big guys because they're always slower. Always get under them, and you always top them over. Like the bigger, like the old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Usually, the biggest guys in the field aren't that great. So when you think of success at advanced training, and don't exclude yourself from this. Who's the one person that comes to mind and why? I would say man, Arthur Cunha came a long way. I remember him as a as a, a freshman or a first, you know, a senior going into RPI, and he came miles and miles away to obviously beat. He beat me in power points. Now he's the second all time, correct? Yep, he's yeah. second all time. So he he came a long way in that, and that that whole marathon that he took all those four years, I give him kudos for that. So Kuyan, he was like a, a heavier guy. He could only get about 12 pull-ups when he walked through the door. He ended up close to 40. I think he got a 38. He started off with a 385 deadlift, ended at 465. Started off with a pretty high bench press at three 310 and finished at 355. Awesome. And, and his broad jump was 101 inches, and he ended at about 120. So I, I, that's a pretty damn good vote on your part because he, he picked it up everywhere. Yeah, he did. He didn't. I gotta give him the kudos, man. He did a great job. He he ended up pretty ripped too. Uh, it, uh, he again, he came in as as like more of an offensive lineman type. I think he might have moved over to tight end. I could be wrong, but he I, left I there ripped. Right. I think he might have played uh, defensive end actually his senior year, if I remember correctly. If what uh, Andrew Miles told me was correct, and he was also a challenge champ. He did the uh, the unthinkable and beat Ryan Smith. They had a head to head battle. And he beat the only, I think he might have been the last person to actually uh, 
beat the great Ryan Smith at something. <laughs> uh, kid Ryan Smith. He's, <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good kid, too. That, that, that was an actual epic battle. They were tied for challenge points. We had them or very close to each other, and we had them go head-to-head at Bloomingdale Park. They each got to pick one event, and Kuyan squeaked it out. Awesome. Okay. Uh, what's your number one pet peeve in the gym? Well, I mean, is it uh, are we talking about you know the run of the mill? What I, you know, post post athlete life, me going to the gym now. Yeah, you're going, you're going to LA Fitness. You see something, what just bothers you? Just the standing around, man. It's a, it's a social club. You know, you go you go there. I go I go to um, in Tox in uh, Tottenville, and you know I, I try to put my hood up, try to put my my earbuds on. I, I've been training my little brother, so he's been coming with me for the past year. Um, you know, we try to get things done, and I try to keep keep it moving. And I'm trying. Uh, you gotta get in, you gotta get out. Get in, do your work, and get out. But a lot of these kids, man, they just they go in. They they're there for three, four hours, and it's like a it's like a social meet. I, I, for me personally, that's that's not what I'm going to the gym to accomplish. I'm going to accomplish a goal, destroy that goal, and head back home to you know regular life. Now, what time of the day do you go to the gym? I usually go around six o'clock at night every night. And you're usually up, you're up super early because you're traveling into the city, right? Yes. How packed is it at six o'clock? It's pretty packed. No, I could I could do it a little earlier, but I, I wait for my brother to get out of, out of uh, school and stuff. Now during football season, how did you do it? Did you go late at night? Well, it, it, I would have to. I was sacrificing, so I would, you know, I would come to some days. I would go right after after practice, and some days I just wouldn't be able to go. So I was just picking coaching over it, or I would try to go before um, games on the weekdays, on the weekends, or after games on the weekends. And you still bench 315 by 7 cold turkey. I, I think I got like 10 the other day. So everybody's got their own thing that they bring to advanced training. Well, for you, what did you, what did you think your one thing was? Definitely, uh, I think, t- a little bit of toughness, maybe a little, little bit of grit. Um. You know, what a lot of things were, you know, we, we've accomplished, I accomplished that it wasn't pretty, but got the job done. And uh, I think a little sense of ruggedness, maybe. Uh, well, look, man, kicking a bucket across the gym and then screaming at Gerald Amorosi, I think that's pretty rugged. <laughs> uh, what is something that you do in the gym right now that if somebody walked in and say, man, this guy's crazy, he's a nut? I try. Before every workout, I got into a new habit of uh, doing the air bike, the assault bike, for like like three or four miles before I work out. And then I'll go in and I'll, I'll roll in, I'll roll out, I'll stretch, I'll do my recovery after while I'm a little warmed up, and then I'll go into it. So I think the, the air bike, a lot of people see me on the air bike going for, you know, 10 minutes at a time, they think I'm a little nuts. So you're a guy that I, I look at and says, man, this guy takes training seriously, he takes nutrition seriously. I'm assuming there's times where you don't feel motivated. What do you do to break through that, those times? It's that voice in the head, man. You got to tell yourself, you're not like everybody else. You know, you're doing this for a reason. Got, and for the doubters, you got to prove them wrong, right? You can't, just, you can't just let them be right. You can't live in their reality. So you're, you're not a, a college football player anymore. You, as, you are, as Joe DeFranco says, a washed-up meathead. Yes. So what, who do you need to prove – like? What are you training for at this point? Well, now, now, right now, I'm training to just 
be lean. And, and I got into this new, uh, this new thing of, I want to be more athletic. Like I, I was athletic when a few years back when, you know, I had my six pack and I had before that, even when I was playing football, I felt a lot more athletic. And now, you know, being a washed up meathead, I just was hitting the weights hard. Wasn't really stretching. It wasn't really, you know, working, worried about cardio. Now I want that more of athletic physique and that more um, endurance physique where I can go out and I can run a few miles and, and, and come back and still bench uh, four or five. I like that. And, and I like, that's part of the thing, at least for me, is you got to train for something. And I love listening to Jocko Willink talking about why he still trains the way he does for combat and in the gym because he still in his mind thinks there's a guy in a cave and one day it's going to be me and him. So <laughs> like for that. me, yeah, and, and I still in my mind, I'm like I'm training because at some point it's going to be me and some guy trying to kick me out and I'm going to have to rock this guy and stop, stop some sort of a trap play. You know, it's me and him. And I may never play football again a day in my life, but I'm training every day for that moment just in case it ever happens. Right, right. You know, I hear a lot, a lot of good things from uh, from Jocko. You know, um, I, I haven't been an avid follower. I've been listening to more guys like uh, Marcus Luttrell and uh, David Goggins more of recent. But I definitely got to check out what, uh, the, what Jocko's preaching. He, he's a pretty intense dude, man. And, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely listen to him. And even, you know, we talked about it in football all the time with the kids that just that good, good, good. And, and it's something that I even some rough times recently when it happened, I just wrote down in my book. Good. You know, right. as the stuff happened. Good. And then we had kids on our team saying it back. Good. You know, it's good. I, I love every second of it. So if you haven't heard that on YouTube, people isn't out there. Google Jocko Willink's good, sick, sick, motivational speech. So back this actually relates to good very nicely. Is there a failure in your life, inside or outside of training, that actually led to success in your life? Um, I mean, I I wouldn't say one definitive moment. There is definitely a multitude of of moments. You know, football football is just peaks and valleys, and uh, it's it's hard sometimes because if you're a competitor, the the hard part, the hard moments stick with you. I think a little bit a little bit more than the good moments. So whenever whenever I need that little umph, that little that little thing to go get me going. I just think about like one of those one of those moments, man. That loss to Severian, you know, in the playoffs. Um, you know, get we we lost to Roe in my senior year. You know, like these little little bit of losses here and there, the little little tidbits from life that that'll just surface my brain and that'll just keep me going. Now, is this is not a failure story, but it is a legendary story. Is it, is it true that you were uh, conditioning? At Singles by the Sea, and someone hit a line drive off of your face. <laughs> yeah, uh, when I was a freshman in high school. Yep. Oh, so you're a freshman. T- talk me through this. Uh, where are you? Like, where where are you running that you get hit in the face with a line drive? You're not obviously not playing baseball at this point. So it's it's spring ball. Um, you know, we go down to sea, and it's probably between the 30 yard line, in the end zone, and in, in the the right corner closest to the school. And we're we're doing drills on the track, and uh, the baseball team's hitting, uh, doing batting practice. Baseball team is doing batting practice on the football field. Yes. All right. On the opposite uh, end zone, the opposite end zone, hitting it towards the stands. So every so often you'll hear, you know, heads up, and uh, balls are flying everywhere. You know, no, no one's really no, nothing's, nothing's really coming our way. Then all of a sudden you hear a heads up, 
and everybody ducks, but my dumbass just looks looks like, oh, what's what are we looking at? And I just get smacked right in the right in the eye socket with a baseball. And the beauty of it is, in a typical football coach mentality, uh, guys will say, "That's when we knew we had something." The kid didn't cry. <laughs> yeah. That was a long time ago. The world is not like that anymore. But yeah, I, I, I wish I, it was. I wish it was. I was not at that practice, but I just I remember hearing about this legendary Mike Morano, Morano that took a line drive off his face, didn't cry, didn't stop, didn't leave practice, uh, took it like a champ, and went right back into it. Yeah, I guess that's the makings of a great offensive lineman for uh, the double wing offense. Well, listen, man, you know, yeah, yeah, it sucked. You know, in life, a lot of things suck. And just, like, keep going back to your, your good mentality. Those things that, that suck, at least sucked in my life, are what made me what I am today, be it good or bad. Those were what – those moments are what drove me to want to be more competitive and want to be tougher and want to get through it and want to push through. Because without those moments, then I would just be that kid, you know, getting bullied back in, in, in middle school. And, and I love it just because th- there's so much of the world of, of why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And reality, it's happening for you. All right. these little bad things, as the great Jocko Willing says, are good. These right. are all opportunities to get better, to get stronger, to harden your your little feeble mind or your feeble body. It's all making you the man that you are. And I think that's a great story that you get hit in the face with a baseball. Not not that it's that I like to see kids get uh, hurt, but the fact that you got hit in the face with a baseball and didn't quit playing football because of it. Or right. say, I'm never practicing again. There's a baseball flying at my head. You stuck that out. And the fact that you could st- stick that out is why you stuck out everything else in your life that was tough. Right. And you, know, and, and you, look, you look back and – I feel like everybody can say this for any hard point in their life. If you look back to the person you were before then and the person you are after, you know, you, you, you're you light years ahead from that person that went before that hard time. You know, if, if, I, if all those things never happened to me, if I didn't get bullied as a kid, if I didn't um, get hit in the face with a, with a football or a baseball, if, you know, if we didn't, if, if, if um, you know, you didn't have those guys putting you down, well, those guys put me down throughout my whole career. I never would have propelled myself up and took charge of my own life and said, no, I'm not going to live in the in this bubble you put me in because I'm better than that. You think if uh, Gerald Amorosi didn't tell you that you couldn't get those pull-ups, you, you wouldn't have got as many? I don't think I would have. So, Gerald, if you're listening, you deserve credit for all those reps Morano got. Definitely. I definitely give kudos to Gerald for that. So two, two more questions for you. Two more questions. Question one, what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? My 15-year-old self, I would probably say, you know, believe, believe in yourself. You know, be, don't be afraid to be great because, you know, a lot of guys, they, they get that opportunity to, you know, be great and, and be in, in, in the limelight and they, they self-sabotage. You know, they, they, they can't handle it. But when you get there – don't be afraid to go and put your whole heart into it. Now, I guess I'm going to add a third question, but this is the, the second question, which I wasn't going to ask, but I'm going to ask it now. Okay. You got a younger brother. He's in what, like seventh grade? I have, one, I have two brothers. I have one that's in college and one that's in seventh grade, yes. So the one that's in seventh grade, do you, do you coach him up as if you were coaching yourself up? I'm definitely a little harder on him. Then I wouldn't say put it harder on him than I would was on myself as a kid, 
I would if like let's say recently, recently he just actually just uh, fractured his ankle playing football. So he's out he's out for a few weeks. And you know, he's he's limping and he's moaning this and that. I'm like, what are you what are you moaning about? So I'll tell him what 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 are you crying about? Because what? Because it sucks? I mean, this is gonna make you better. This this is what happens when you don't go full speed. Now you learn to go full speed and everything you do. Do you is he the same type of kid that you were? He's definitely a little tougher than I was. Wow. He's a, he's definitely got so, a little little more of an edge to him than, than I do. Than I did at least. So he's not he's standing in the outfield right now waiting for baseballs to fly at his face. He's probably he's probably the kid hitting him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, my selfish question. Is there something a, a piece of advice that you can give me? on how to simplify my life or remove clutter? Is there something that you do? And it can be in the gym, at work, whatever. Let me know. What is it? Yeah, open up a, open up a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> mental clutter. Uh, no, I'm cl- saying that the wine will actually remove the, the mental cl- clutter. Yes, yes, I think that, you know, maybe I'm, I'm honestly slipping on a little Bud Light right now. So I think it, it definitely uh, helps a little bit. You know, not not that we uh, advocate putting poison in your body on no, this podcast, but, but there's a good story of Ron Coleman, who he was like, he's jacked up. The guy is beyond jacked up. Right. He won multiple bodybuilding competitions, and before he ever won, he lived a meticulous life, and he never ever let up for one second. And then one day he was at one of these meets, and he walks in a room, and he's like horrified that this guy's eating pizza and drinking beers. And I was like, settle down, have a beer. He had, I think, one beer, and then they said he won the next six bodybuilding championships in the world. Not because he was drinking beer, but to your point, he calmed down. And I, right. I'd say a little self-reflection here from my point is that I am probably too much by the book of every moment of my life and uh, need to calm down in whatever way that is. Maybe a, maybe a sip of wine or maybe just meditating or something. But, yeah, there's definitely something to that. And I, I believe you can get a little more testosterone by not being a freak all the time. Why do you say that? Uh, I'm just I'm thinking about when I went to the great Dr. Tom. He was the nutritionist that uh, Joe Marechko and I went to, and okay. he he was saying to me that you are, you know, you're either creating testosterone or you're creating uh, cortisol, but you're never creating both at the same exact time. Okay. And and if you are constantly stressed out, then you are constantly creating – you're not creating testosterone. You're never going to get bigger. And he was telling me to calm down, like stop right. training so much, stop worrying about stuff so much, stop being angry all the time, and just relax, right. which is probably the polar opposite of what he was telling every one of his other clients. You know, I'd, I'd walk in there with uh, – to the, to the gram of what I ate for the last six months <laughs> with color codes and daily journals. And he was like, you got to settle down, man. You got to relax. Well, I mean, it's definitely, uh, is that, I mean, listen, we're not, we're not here for that long. You know, we have a limited amount of time in this world and when, when we're gone, you know, what do we really have? We really, really leave behind. Well, we, the people that are left, the impact we left on the other people that are still here and whatever, whatever stories, right. We're only just stories. In reality, you know, if I if I was to go tomorrow, you guys would be telling the story of you know the baseball and this and that, right? So you gotta enjoy yourself. You gotta have a, you gotta be be able to smell the roses once in a while. 
Yeah, and, and there are some great, great Mike Morano stories out there, and I'm sure we're not done with them, to be honest. And... Is that, is that, I mean, I can tell stories about for everybody, man, for the whole, all the whole Advanced <laughs> Training crew. We've got stories on stories for us. And just one thing I need to end with, just so that Dr. Tom does not get mad. He actually said you're either creating infl- inflammation or testosterone. It was not cortisol. He said inflammation or testosterone, but never both at the same exact time. So you nailed it, brother. All right, man. Great interview. Uh, I'm ve- I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. Hopefully, we can get this 2019 lined up. I just hope that you guys aren't uh, too old and too washed <laughs> up to compete with the young bucks. Oh man, we're we're we're, uh, we're ready to go. I'll, I'll put it. On, I'll I'll make that statement right now. We're ready to go, and we're all training very hard for this. We want it. There's a 2013 team uh, that is feeling pretty confident right now. They're they're a little younger, you know. They still got their youth to them, but uh, hopefully you guys can prove the world the world wrong. What's that old saying about experience? <laughs> That's a pretty good teacher. That's a pretty good teacher. Right. So we'll see how we'll see how it works out for the 2013 class. All right, Mike. Awesome interview, man. Talk to you soon. All right, Coach. Hold you in the highest squad, man. All right, you too. Love you, brother. Talk to you later.